Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Epic Classroom Podcast. My name is Trevor Muir and I've been a middle and high school teacher as well as a teacher of pre-service and current teachers and I love a good story. And I love to explore ways to help students live out great stories and for their educators to thrive in their own. And that's what we talk about on this podcast. Whatever you teach or however you serve in schools, how can you lead a more impactful, dynamic, meaningful, and epic classroom? All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode. I am coming to you here from the podcast room at the Ada Public Library here in Ada, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And uh, it is the very beginning of spring break. And I've got a lot of daddy duty coming up over the next week and a half because we have a week and a half spring break here, which is a wonderful gift to educators. I love that it's not just a week anymore. They get a week and a half in our area to recover and recuperate and, and, and not think about school and hopefully not plan or grade and just experience what it means to do nothing. And I really hope that's what the educators in my area and everybody who's going on spring break right now is able to do during this time. Um, but it also means that uh, I, I'm, I've got my kids at home for the next week and a half and uh, their mommy is going to be at work for most of spring break so it's just me and them just taking on the world this next week and a half and yesterday we went on the most epic hike to get it going because even though it's still cold and a little dreary here in Michigan in the spring um, you can still get out and have fun and so we did that and then today uh, I'm recording this little podcast but right before this we recorded our own podcast it's called the Kid Wonder Podcast and me and my kids uh, just sit in this podcast room at our public library and they get to talk about a certain subject and it is the most fun thing in the world and it's mostly just for their grandparents and uh, family to be able to listen to. But it's really fun to just get with them and watch like what's on their minds when they have this way of presenting uh, what's going on in there. And today's episode was about seasons and what their favorite thing about each one of the seasons is. And I've got a nine and a seven-year-old. And so it's really interesting to kind of see how they unpack that type of thing and what brings them alive, but then watch them create something out of it. And so yesterday, after we got back from our big hike, they kind of created a big outline of what they wanted to talk about today. And then we just did it. And it was so much fun. And, and, you know, part of me is a little sad that I'm not getting away from spring break. Lots of my friends and lots of teachers in our area, they're, they're like, okay, we're going south. It's too dreary and cold here in Michigan. Uh, but we're not going anywhere this year. We're, we're going to be hanging tight. Um, and it's already off to a good start. And I'm just reminded, uh, how, how good simple things can be when you when you embrace them and and take advantage of all that is actually around you like going on hikes with your kids and soaking it up or you know spending a morning in a podcast room listening to them present and talk and share and learn to articulate and do it into a microphone and be silly and I don't know I'm just feeling full right now as we start spring break check in with me in one week and see how I'm doing well it might be a little different but right now at the very beginning of it it is all good. And uh, I just wanted to share a short little story today's, for today's podcast. Nothing really long. Um, and it actually doesn't have a lot of resolution to it. And uh, I guess I'll explain that in a minute. So I just want to tell you a little story. And then uh, I'll just wrap it up. So we'll keep it kind of short today as we enter spring break. My kids are outside of the podcast room right now reading books. 
I don't know. I don't know how I got so lucky. So they're out there reading and I've got a few minutes to share a little story with you. So I once had a student who we'll call Mason for the purposes of confidentiality, uh, but his name was Mason and uh, he was one of the most, and I mean this so sincerely, he was one of the most difficult students I'd ever had in my classroom. I mean, off the walls hardly even describes it. He was honestly out of control all the time. I mean, it, he just would wake up in the morning and dream of ways to get on my nerves. And, and it was so difficult. And if I'm being honest with you, I usually do pretty well with like young men. I, I, I usually build a strong rapport and I, and I build a relationship and I have, you know, can be goofy with them, but then also stern and whatever it is, it usually results in getting a pretty good response, you know, from, from high school students who are boys. Like it, it, it's just, it's been kind of a, a good thing and not always a good Lord, not always lots and lots of holes in that example. But like, honestly, I usually have a pretty good job of building rapport and eventually, not always at first, but gradually building respect from students. And then eventually they, they kind of join the program and they're not too hard to manage in the classroom. And this is what you learn to do throughout the years in the classroom. You get better and better at managing and, and getting students to understand your systems and helping them understand that you're there for their best interest. And usually, at least in my experience, not always, obviously there's many, many outliers, but in my experience, usually students kind of get with the program and, and we're able to do some really cool things in the classroom because classroom management isn't my number one priority anymore because it doesn't have to be, but not with this kid, Mason. Oh my gosh, he was so difficult. Just, he had zero fear of consequences. Like there was nothing he could be threatened with, whether it was detention or suspension, nothing made this kid even flinch and and so like you know I would try positive ways of connecting with him and it hardly worked and I would and I would threaten and it wouldn't work and I would send him out of the room and it wouldn't work and and you know I would try to call home to his parents and try to get some insight or input or anything and never not once did anybody at home answer the phone it would always just go to voicemail which probably gave me some clues about his home life, you know, never had any encounters with his parents. And this kid was so difficult. He would just blurt out in the middle of class. And often it was like those four letter words, you know, he would throw school supplies. He would mess with kids. And he wasn't like, there wasn't a lot of malice in his heart. It didn't seem like it, it, it was never like he was just trying to be mean. He just didn't do anything. He didn't do work, but he also like, he just made very little effort to improve his behavior and as you know as his teacher I tried everything under the sun to connect with this kid you know I remember I used to give up my lunch hours and I used to have this strong rule that you know what I will give it all to students but when it's lunchtime I'm closing the blinds on my classroom and I'm sitting back at my desk and I'm gonna enjoy my lunch and maybe I'll browse some social media or watch a video on YouTube this is where I just need a little me time in the middle of the day to recharge a little bit before I get back into it and so I've always had this rule nope Students cannot come in my room during lunch, but this kid Mason, I was just like, you know what? Maybe this kid just needs some extra relationship building. So I'll invite him to have lunch with me and we can have some talks. And I can learn about his life and I can share a little bit of my own. And hopefully that will break down some of those walls. And, and then when we're in class and I say, Hey Mason, can you help me out, please? Maybe he'll respond. Yeah. He would love to meet me for lunch. 
and and we would laugh and I would share about my life and he would give me a little bit of insight but just I, I'm telling you it didn't improve his behavior at all when we were back in the classroom you know like it, it just it didn't work I would invite him to come before school I, and I'd work with him extra hard on assignments I would I, I I would do everything I could and nothing worked I remember one time there was spirit week I think it was like homecoming week and um kids were they were allowed to wear pajamas to school or something like that and I remember Mason told me a couple days before he's like Mr. Muir I'm gonna wear my my Baja sweatshirt I don't know if you know what a Baja sweatshirt is but it's kind of like made out of hemp and um it's not the type of sweatshirt I generally wear and I certainly don't wear it to school but he's like I've got two of them do you want to wear one and we can be matching on pajama day? And I'm like, you know what? If, if that makes you feel a little bit more loved and included, and, and that's my primary goal is to make you feel that, but then hopefully that maybe that'll carry over into your engagement in my class and your behavior and, and, and how that all goes. Yeah. You know what? I'll wear the Baja, Baja, hemp sweatshirt and so I put on the hemp sweatshirt and I wore it to school and I probably looked ridiculous all day and I couldn't care because I was just so set on connecting with this student and helping him turn a corner because the truth is it wasn't all just about well I mean part no I'm gonna be honest part of it I just it was so hard to teach his class with the, the disruptions that he was causing so part of it was for my sanity Part of it was for my students' learning experience. This is so disruptive for the other kids in the room, and, and it's really hard for them to focus on, especially on complex, difficult material when this kid is constantly getting in the way of that. So it was for uh, me, it was for my other students, but it was also for Mason. I just desperately wanted to see him turn a corner and start doing better in school. And so, yeah, I'd do anything. I would do anything to get him on board. And so, you know, I did these things, and yet again, none of it seemed to work. And, and I'm asking questions to myself. What is wrong with this kid? Or like, what is wrong that none of these techniques and ideas and pieces of wisdom that I've learned from other teachers and I'm employing in my own classroom that almost always work with other students? And again, I'm not saying it's ever been perfect. And I'm not saying there hasn't been outliers along the way. But like, I'm telling you, these techniques and these stuff that I go and talk about now to other teachers and I'll give keynotes on or I'll do workshops on because I know they work. There's data that shows that relationships work with students. There's data that shows that, 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 that the more you build rapport with students, it, it, it leads to higher social development and higher behavioral development and higher engagement. I mean, and, and I've just, I've done it so many times and it's worked and yet none of it is working with Mason. What is wrong with this kid? What is wrong with his parents? Why aren't you doing something about this? Why, why aren't you answering your phone? Why are you not calling me when this kid gets a detention or at those times that he got suspensions from school? Why are we not hearing from you? What's wrong with the kid? What's wrong with the parents? And then I'm starting to ask what's wrong with me as his teacher, who's just trying everything under the sun and it's not working. Am I inadequate? Are there, are there, are there parts of my teaching practice that need severe overhauls what's wrong with me so I'm asking these big questions and then in March of that year so we're plowing our way through spring I've seen menial improvement with Mason but nothing nothing huge 
And uh, but I'm still waiting for it to turn that corner because I believe it's possible. And I've seen it with other students, those hard shells to crack. I've seen them crack eventually. And I'm like, all right, if I can be persistent and I can keep my and if, if I can just keep going and figure out more and more ways to connect, one of these things is going to work. And I'm going to see the improvement in his behavior and his classroom engagement. But then in March of that year, Mason moved away. He just moved. I, I, we got like two days of warning. He said, hey, Mr. Muir, I'm moving. I said, really? Where? Like across town? He's like, no, nah, to the other side of the state, back to my hometown. I was like, oh, okay. When, when's that going to happen? He's like, oh, I'm not sure. And then two days later, Mason didn't show up to school. Found out he moved. And I haven't seen nor heard from that kid ever since. I have no idea, absolutely no clue whether any of my efforts that difficult school year had paid off with Mason. I don't know if he learned how to engage in a classroom. I don't know if he learned a little bit of discipline. I don't know if he developed some more respect for people who are giving that same respect to him. I don't know if he passed high school since then. I don't even know if he remembers that English teacher who, who put on that Baja sweatshirt for Spirit Lake week. I have no idea if any of it paid off for him because I, I can tell you right now it certainly didn't pay off that school year I saw no marked improvement from him and so that is the end of that story and I'm tempted right now because this is what I always want to do because I'm an optimist because I I've got hope I've, I've, I, I want to believe that nothing is in vain and so I want to slap a silver lining on the story I want to say all right that's part one now here's a positive way of looking at this here's a way of looking at the story with a growth mindset or here's a way of just you know being able to live and and know that at some point Mason figured it out that light bulb finally turned on I here listen I could I could go on and on about that and I usually do and I do it for a reason because I do believe those things I do believe there's hope that comes after stories like this. And sometimes it takes a while to find out what that hope is. And, and he, even right now I'm tempted, I'm starting to slide in to the hopeful messaging on the end of this, but I'm not going to do that on this podcast episode. Instead, I'm just going to leave it with the simple fact that sometimes teaching is really hard, right? Sometimes teaching is difficult. It's challenging. It's excruciating. It's mind-numbingly frustrating. And, and I just want to leave it at that. Because I think sometimes, sometimes it's, it's, it's just important to name the difficulties of this work. And, and listen, it's not always that difficult. And, and, you know, and I, like I said, I, I don't think, I didn't say this yet, but I'll say it now. I don't think you can make it very long as a teacher, if you're not spotting any type of success from your work, if it's all just a bunch of stories like this one, like Mason's, eventually you'd be like, okay, this is all in vain. But no, we've got these things that kind of keep us afloat and you see that like there's evidence of our work, but then sometimes it's just really hard. Sometimes you just, you do everything you can and it doesn't pay off before your eyes and you never find out what the result of your labor is. If there was, if there was purpose behind your toil and it's just hard. Sometimes it breaks you down. Sometimes it wears you out. Sometimes you don't want to keep going in this work because you're like, I don't know what the point is. And so I just want to, I want to empathize with you for a moment. If you're an educator for any amount of time, you've probably experienced a story similar to this. Maybe not exactly like mine and Mason's, but I'm guessing if you're a teacher, 
or a parapro or an administrator or a counselor or a media center specialist or a, or a principal or an assistant principal or a dean. If you work in schools, you've had experiences where you've put everything you've got into serving and helping students succeed and you just never saw that success. And it breaks your heart and it wears you out and it makes this job harder than it already is. And I just want to recognize that, that you are doing hard work. Um, and I'm not going to slap a silver lining in on it this time. I just, I just want to sit with that. Um, but I also do want to say thank you for doing that hard work. Um, because the reality is somebody has to, somebody has to pour their expertise and wisdom and energy into the generations of kids that come after us. Right. Some, and we, and we have to do it knowing that it's actually not in vain that, uh, you know, our efforts always have some effect. And the hard part is that we don't always get to see what it is. Um, but I believe it's true because I can tell you right now, when I was a kid growing up, I was sometimes like Mason. You know, sometimes I was that kid that was just not easy to be in class with. I was a little bit of a class clown. I had a lot of insecurities and pain and heartbreak from different points of childhood. And that would express in my, in my behavior. I, I heard this great quote last weekend at a conference I was speaking at, um, uh, the, the speaker said that behavior is communication. All behavior is communication. You know, it's, it's our way of communicating, uh, what, what, what we're feeling. And, and, and I'm guessing, and I don't know the answer and I never will. I'm sure there was a lot of stuff going on in Mason's life. I'm, I bet there was a lot of it. And the way he was communicating what it was like was through his behavior and it wasn't good behavior and it was really hard to deal with as a teacher and it made my job difficult. Um, and so if, if we just give up on kids like that though, we're ignoring the fact that there's, they're communicating something to us. And, and again, that makes it hard and that, that's part of this work, but I'm glad you do it. Uh, because if we didn't, we, I think we'd be lost. I, don't, I can't fathom a society, a world, without educators who are investing themselves into students. Um, and so the teachers who had me growing up uh, during those periods where I may have been a little bit like Mason, uh, I apologize for that, uh, but your efforts were not in vain. You know, sometimes we're uh, late bloomers and some of the discipline and respect and work ethic and, and self-control that I have now a little bit but it was absolutely partly owed to you and so if you have a mason in your class right now just know that that your work is never in vain whether you get to find out what the success is or not um, but also know that yeah your work is hard and if you are going on spring break right now i hope you take a good break from that hard work um, you can't overflow from an empty cup. You need to refill. You need to be full. And so take some time to refill. St stories like the one I just shared, that, that'll drain you. That'll drain your cup. And it's really hard to overflow to your other students when you are drained. And so take those opportunities to refill, to find joy and hope in your work. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk more about this type of stuff next time. So anyway, my friends, thank you for the good, good work you do in schools. And I hope and pray that you get some rest and relaxation in the time ahead uh, so you can keep doing that good work. All right, I'll talk to you next time. My name is Trevor Muir, and this is the Epic Classroom Podcast. See ya.